We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante with our special guest, Barbara Duran. Barb is a member of the Penn State Board of Trustees. Uh, Barb, we got to speak last week, but our time went so fast. We didn't cover a lot of items that I wanted to get to. We, we just ran out of time. So, Barb, first of all, thank you for graciously agreeing to come back on. Jim, I'm delighted to be here because, yeah, there was a lot of things to talk about, and I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing them today. And our time goes fast. But let me, let me just uh, point this out right to start, that... You're from, you remember the Board of Trustees, but you're not speaking as a representative of the board. This is you, Barbara Duran, speaking, correct? Right, right. These are, even though I'm a trustee, um, anything we talk about today is my opinion only, and I'm not speaking on behalf of the university or on behalf of the board. Good. We got the disclaimer out of the way. <laughs> now we could get started. Just one, one more thing to clean up. Last week when we were on together, uh, I mentioned that you were a three varsity athlete at Penn State, which is impressive enough. Then I mentioned you're also a member of the, uh, we're a member of the U.S. Women's National Lacrosse Team, which is really impressive. But I missed, you're all, you were also a member of the National Field Hockey Team. How do you get to become a member of multiple national sports teams, Barb? <laughs> it, well, in those days, you could play um, different sports. Now you really have to focus on one sport. So I was uh, lucky enough to be in an era where you could do all three. And so when I was on those U.S. teams, it was different years. So, you know, that's a little bit tougher to do these days. That, w- that was just a couple years ago, right? <laughs> Last century. <laughs> okay. Well, let's let's move on. Let's get to those topics that we missed last week. And we just in general went over that, how the board works on some of this decision-making process. And I'm really curious about this. And one of the things that already happened was uh, Coach James Franklin, he signed an extension. A lot of conversation the entire football season, it seems, that dragged on. How did that come, How did that work? How does that happen? Who initiates it? Who has to sign off on it? What's the board's role in that kind of thing? Yeah, Jim, those those are good questions because there has been um, a lot of hubbub about that, and and I think rightly so. When you have um, that amount of money being paid out, you want to know, you know, what's happening and why that happened. Typically, um, the board would make decisions on major contracts like that, but basically, about for some reason, eight or nine years ago. Um, the board decided to give the um, subcommittee on compensation the right to do employees under um, a certain level. So basically, we sign off on the president's salary. We just hired a new one, as you know, Neil Abendapudi. We all had to sign off on that and had discussions about that. And um, But for this time, uh, the board was not intimately involved in the decision-making um, on the contract. The subcommittee um, weighs it, talks to consultants, they look at the peers, they do all this stuff to make sure it's competitive in the marketplace, and that is really you know, how that happened. Now, what's interesting, I think we were all um, a bit shocked um, at the size of the contract and not having direct input, um, even though we had delegated this authority to this committee, and what I've learned since it's very interesting because I think we, you know, for Penn Staters, we refer back to the Paterno era, you know, which was over 
um, you know, 12, 13 years ago. And it was very different um, in terms of the compensation, the size of the athletic budget. And when you do, when you look at what's happening today, you know, James Franklin is not the highest paid coach out there. And there are at least seven coaches, including him, who have 10-year contracts. And a number of coaches, you know, you look at um, the, uh, I think it's Fisher at Texas A&M, he has a $95 million contract. And when I looked at what other happening in other sports, they're in football and basketball. There are over 200 coaches making more than a million, and there are more than 50 making more than $3 million. And when you look at what's happening, it's interesting in football. I mean, everybody knows there's big changes afoot. You know, you're going from the you've gone from the bowl system to the football playoff system. Right now, there's four. It will be, um, you know, more in uh, 2025. But right now, it's very tough to get to be, um, you know, the national champion. In fact, it can be harder than it was in the past when you had polls and you had to rely on all this stuff. And so, what's happened is you're seeing a huge turnover in top coaches. It's something like 20% a year are out of their jobs, and I'm not just saying top coaches, but coaches in football in general, are out of their job in one year. And you look at what even happened to, um, I think it was Brian Kelly at LSU, two years ago, you know, one huge, he was big. And two years later, because he had a bad season, he's out. So the tolerance, um, you know, for coaches not having, not being able to go through a bad season or two, like we've experienced recently, is very low. And so to retain, attract, and keep these good coaches, the whole compensation scheme has changed dramatically in the last few years. And it's been very interesting if you even look at the buyout packages, and that's been a big issue of controversy. Wow, there's no penalty if you don't perform well, et cetera. But you look at the when you look at the buyout, the four largest buyouts right now amount to almost ninety million dollars. That's versus just thirty-four million in two thousand seventeen. And really, what's happening is to have any stability in your program, not lose your coaches. You know, they are people. Um, a lot of athletic departments and university administrators, top level, because of course this has to go by the president, um, feel that you need to do this to retain the top talent. And it's important to us not only to have um, top talent and the feeling is that when you look at Franklin's entire record, he is a great coach, you know, but you really, um, and one of the things too, that it's important to us as Penn Staters who believe and live the success with honor is to have a coach who embodies those values, meaning education is number one. GPAs are important. Rate of graduation is important. And we've kept that up and indeed have improved. So these are all factors that went in decision making in this contract. But I know it's been controversial, but I think there's uh, the marketplace has changed dramatically in the last few years. And I'll give you my take uh, as a fan. Uh, you mentioned it was actually Kelly was the coach who went to LSU. Oh, it was Kirk. Kelly. He's Thank now you. there. Yeah. Ed Orgeron was the one who won the national championship. And you're right. Oh, he was gone, you. you know, mm -hmm. two, two years later. But it was like major school, LSU, USC are major openings. And they were poaching successful coaches from elsewhere. Lincoln Riley went from Oklahoma to USC. Kelly went from uh, Notre Dame to LSU, and James Franklin's name was brought up. So he's obviously attractive to other schools, despite this last year or two. My only, and I'm a Franklin fan, my only hesitation with the contract wasn't the size of the contract. That's guaranteed money that Penn State has to pay him if the team plays very poorly. But if the team does really well, and USC or somebody else comes calling in two or three years... 
his buyout is very low. You know, if he if if Penn State decides they don't want him as coach anymore, they still owe him the eighty million dollars. In two years, if he wants to leave, it's just yeah, it's silly to say this. A trivial amount, a couple million dollars. Yeah, no, Jim. It's I think the balance of power has changed, and uh, in terms of the coaches and trying to retain what you believe is top talent, and we do believe Franklin is top talent, and so um, you know it's a risk. Uh, it's a risk, you know, that one does, but the stakes are pretty big. If he wins, we'll all be happy. As we're dragging on one question, let me quickly get to our couple other questions here, Barb. Um, the the big item on the agenda now is new athletic director. What are you looking for in a new AD, and how's that process going to work? Yeah, uh, it's a good question, Jim, because we're hoping to have somebody in place by July 1, for obvious reasons, you know, the season, you know, football season will be starting all the fall sports. And so, as we know, there's huge challenges right now. We're all trying to sort it. We talked about this last time, the name, image, likeness, what that's going to mean, what it's going to do in terms of the competitive balance, recruiting strategy, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. And plus, you know, we've got major changes in governance and NCAA. That whole balance of power is changing. So we really need someone who can do a couple major things. One, you want them to have big time college experience and hopefully somebody, you know, we want somebody who's coming from a university that's very forward thinking in the athletic program, who has the ability to try to, to, to be a bit of a visionary. You know, how's this going to play out? Nobody really knows, but we're trying to figure that out and we need somebody who can really think way far ahead. So you need that, right? And somebody creative. And at the same time, you need somebody who really gets economics, finance, who gets the marketing, and who is also a, really can be a good spokesperson, not only for the athletic department, but for the university. I mean, Sandy Barber, for instance, you know, had major roles in the NCAA that did us a lot of good. For instance, she was the Big Ten rep on the NCAA um, Division I Council. She was involved in the Constitution Committee. She was one of the few um, from the Big Ten on that, maybe the only one. And she was also on the football, um, the Football Oversight Committee, which de deals with everything from concussions to um, schedules, all that sort of thing. So we need somebody who can be a major player in many ways. So that's uh, that is what we're looking for, and it's a, it's a it's a big order to fill. But we are we I hope we will find someone because I'll tell you in general we've been making great hires across the university in the last few years. Top notch CFO, top notch head of research, some top notch deans. So I think we're gonna we're gonna up our game and uh, be ready with somebody good. I hope so. This day and age of sports, especially the big sports, football, basketball, it's so critical. And we've got about a minute and a half left. I have to ask you, of course, about the conversations about either an upgrade to Beaver Stadium, possibly a new stadium. What are your thoughts on that, and how do you think the university should proceed? Well, you know, Jim, we've done a major um, master plan that was done a few years ago, a 20-year master plan to look at everything. We have two dozen venues. We have a 45,000-square-foot academic facility. We have so much going on. And there's a lot of maintenance and a lot of you know things that need to be done. But obviously, you know, the wish list, if you suddenly had billions of dollars, you'd do it all. But you have to really um, make decisions. Right now, um, we don't have enough information about the stand. We've hired a firm, an architecture firm called Populous. And they are in the middle of doing a, what we're calling a concept study. They're reviewing the scope 
the, of the of the project. They're looking at future maintenance projects, renovation options, amenity needs. I mean, as you know, we've talked about, you know, your wife and my experience in that ladies' room. It's like, I think it's designed to get you in and out as fast as possible. I mean, there's lots of that concourse. There's choke points. There's a lot that needs to be done in the stadium. Um, and so they're going to look at it all. And nothing's off the table, but we don't know enough because it's going to be, some people I think are worried they're going to tear the whole stadium down. I frankly, um, I give that a low probability, but I don't know because we are, it is being studied right now. They're also involving the community, doing all sorts of focus groups, you know, to see what do we need. The one of the things we want to make sure the stadium, whatever we do, we're going to open it up to more community stuff. We don't just want to use six times a year for football games. So there's a lot going on, but we just don't know enough. And, and we will soon, you know, as you know, I'm on the ICA task force um, and we are, you know, really studying this and, and we'll know soon, you know, have some options. And then we can do the trade-offs, how much, what we'll take. But So we'll see. Well, I'll tell you what, a lot going on. We're going to know more in a few months. I'm going to bring you back on and ask you about those decisions, Barb. But thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. Be sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Thank you, Jim. Fellow Nittany Lions, this is Bill Oldsey, one of your alumni elected trustees. It's been an honor serving you in our world-class university for the past nine years. Today, I'm asking for your votes again for me, Barbara Duran, and Ted Brown for re-election to the Penn State Board. We look forward to continuing our work with you as we take Penn State to even greater levels of success with honor, both academically and athletically. We are Oldsey, Duran, and Brown. Thank you for your continued support. Request your ballot at trustees.psu.edu. This is Jim Galante from the Keystone Sports Network, letting you know there's nothing like going on the road with your favorite team. I'm pleased to announce that KSN, along with Collegiate Athletic Travel, the leaders in athletic travel for 50 years, is offering a trip to Auburn this fall for the Nittany Lions versus the Tigers. Charter flight, accommodations at the team hotel, and transport to and from the game are included. Go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414 for all the information.